fun. I just want to keep singing, of course, but it also is important and part of who we are that we open the Word of God together, and that's what we're going to do. So if you have your Bibles and want to look, we are in the book of Exodus, and that's where we're headed. I don't know about your daily life, but I know that the most important thing about you is what you think about God. Most important thing. How do you think about God? Do you think God is really close to you or not? Because <laughs> we sing these songs about Jesus and grace, and, 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 and yet to think that we, we worship the God of the universe and, and who made the stars like a drop in the bucket, and, and that, there's a tension there of some kind. Isn't there this God who is vast and huge and massive and good and, and, and us who are little and tiny? And, and how do you think about how close you really are to him? What's the basis for the temperature of your relationship with God? I hear a lot, and maybe you have too in our culture, say, well, God's my best friend. <laughs> is he? Really? And sort of what's the basis by which you might think that? Or, you know, that seems to undermine this idea of how other and holy, and powerful God is. If I'm honest and I start to think of God's close to me, it usually comes down to a couple things. And usually it's, it's around, one of them is the circumstances around me. I feel like God's close to me if things are going well. When I win the lottery, God's really close. When I got into college, thank you, God, you are right here with me. When I pray for five years to have a kid and don't get one? Oh God, why have you deserted me? You are so far from me. When I don't get the things that I want, right? Or, 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 or the same token, I, I think, well, if, if I'm doing the things that I should be doing, then, then I feel like, well, yeah, God's close to me. I'm, I'm, I'm okay, you know, I'm not a failure or I'm not covered with dirt and filth. But when I am or when I fall into sin now, I'm very far from God because sin is far. So, so it's kind of like an equation, like algebra, you know? Didn't know you got to do math in church today, huh? <laughs> it's like, like, why is your closeness to God equals you know, 3x plus 40. Well, 40 is the constant. It's always there. God is God. But that x factor is me and how I'm doing. And God's close to me in that if, if I'm doing well and, and, and not so close if I'm doing poorly. Is that okay? I think we naturally think that way. So that's where we're going today because the relationship of God is the theme of exodus and we've been through it you know this god who takes his people and he grabs them out of slavery and he takes them and he literally kills all their enemies and he takes them into them into the wilderness and now they're at this mountain and he's talking about how he's going to be near them how he's going to dwell in their midst that, that's the whole thing right and so they're there gathered at this mountain the God who's presented at Mount Sinai, and that's where we are. We slow down to consider the Ten Commandments. He's rumbling in power, speaking. What he's speaking is what they're to do. We slow down to look at him, you know. 
reasonable things like don't have any other gods before me. Don't make any images of me. Man, represent me rightly. Keep the Sabbath. Obey your parents. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie about each other. Don't covet. These are just like, I'm tempted to think they're rules for life, like your life will go well if you do them. But really what they are is God saying, you want me around? This is what you do. So I feel like there's a little setup there where, yeah, it is an algebra equation. Yeah, it is kind of like that, isn't it? It's like, how am I doing comes from this idea from the Old Testament. He is their God, and that's a given. And, and, and he apparently has expectations. And, and if he's going to dwell with them, the Ten Commandments. And isn't it that that the variable is how they're going to do? So I want to think through that with you today from this text. Because we looked at the Ten Commandments, but the, the chapter's not over. In fact, the book is not even halfway. And, and then here we are. We're going to see some interesting things. But we're going to finish chapter 20 today. And I want you to think about distance and how close God really is to them, but really is to you. And why? And how cool it is. And then why we sing. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, this, this may sound a little bit hard, but I, it's, it's a refreshing drink from the well of how blessed we are, incredibly, unbelievably. God is so close to you, even when you don't feel it. Okay, so let's take a look. We're going to start first with, with uh, fear and performance, because <laughs> that's what, when he hit the Ten Commandments and we started really looking at them, we we're like, oh no, we don't really do these, and then Jesus comes along and drives them into your heart and says, boy, your heart has to be this way, and we got so I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I do these, it becomes, wow, I mean, thanks for the downer. What's the basis? What's going on? So, so, so let's take a look. It's really interesting. The Ten Commandments have just been completed, and now there's this in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. It says, now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. Hey, just a reminder, loud and dangerous. That's the Lord, right? I mean, do you think of God this way? This is God. He hasn't changed. He thunders. And lightning, so, well, I kind of like thunder and lightning. That's not the picture. The like, you know, you're safe and you're behind your four layers of bulletproof glass looking at the pretty thunder and lightning. This is like you're being assaulted with all of your senses. The, the, the trumpet sounding in your ears, the flashing in front of your face, the rumbling like you're going to get consumed. And they appropriately are very afraid and they trembled and they stood far off that's scary let's say let's stay far away you know fear leads to distance if you're afraid of god you're going to stay away and that's really normal you know if my dog might bite me i don't snuggle up to her i kind of put her over there i can like her still you can still be my dog but 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 you know it's a little dangerous for me to be up right next to her no not calling God a dog. He's God. We're, we're nothing. But he's dangerous. So they think scary. We're going to do the right thing. We're going to obey. And we're going to stay far away from this scary God. And maybe he will leave me alone. 
Right? That's what they say, essentially, to Moses. They say to Moses, there in verse 19, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Scary God. <laughs> Don't let him look at us. You know, what? you know what? We'll do the things he says, and what I'm really interested in is, is my life going okay over here, and, 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 and I'm not quite sure that it's going to if he speaks at me, so let's just keep him safely away. Moses, you get in there. And then here comes kind of the money piece. I don't know if you've thought about this one. Moses said to the people, do not fear. For God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you so that you may not sin. Well, that's kind of interesting and then it says that the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was but I, I want to go back to that for a minute I want you to think about that for a minute with me Moses said to the people don't be afraid don't fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you so that you may not sin the reason why I don't like I, I skip over this verse normally is that it's it's self-contradictory don't fear so that you might fear well, and I think, well, I know, probably get the Bible scholar out because it's going to be different words in the Bible probably. No, it's the same word. It's exactly the same. What is he getting at? What's going on here for you and me about God? Say, I, I want to learn about God. I want to know who he is. This is a very important thing, Moses said. He is scary. God is scary. Can I thunder for a minute? God is scary. He's big and huge and massive, and he made everything. And, and then he says, but don't, don't be afraid. He's like rumbling and making these loud noises to you because he's trying to impress upon you, right? So that what? So that you do this very important thing. You don't sin. Obey me, right? Like it's literally, have you ever heard the phrase, boy, put the fear of God in them. He's literally putting the fear of God in them by being scary. So that you would be afraid. Afraid about what? What's the important thing? Don't sin. Don't sin. Do you sin? Unfortunately, you've been through the Ten Commandments with me. The game is afoot. We've already sinned. But, but to Moses and the people they're saying, Moses is saying that he's putting the fear of God in you so that you won't sin. So the important thing is that you not sin. You should never think that it's okay to sin. You should never think, ah, oh, sin doesn't matter. I'm just going to throw it away. No, no, no. God says, I've, I'm being scary to you. I'm, I'm, I'm impressing upon you the depth and the heart of this. Don't sin. Sin's a killer. <laughs> so he's, he's acting this way so you won't. Kind of like a harsh word the mom might give her toddler as she's reaching out to touch the hot stove. It's like, you stop that right now. <gasps> yeah, it's so important that you not touch the hot stove. It's really going to hurt you. Ouch, right? It's a double ouch. Why is it a double ouch? Because they do sin all the time. Because you do sin all the time. You have sinned this morning. Well, no, I haven't. Oh, yes, you have. Your thoughts do not align with God's. You are not 
all the time just leaning in to what God has for you. You do not think all the time about how great God is for you. You, you, you snap at your kids. You, you snap in your heart at your spouse. You, you, you get mad at the person in front of you. You, you. you compare the person next to you. You tear down. You do all these things. We're sinning all the time. And, and so the whole idea is God's going to get scary so that you don't sin. And then you sin. What's left? Fear as a driver to obedience doesn't touch the heart, does it? Obey out of what? Self-preservation. <laughs> you know, I see, you better not sin from the man with the huge stick. And I'm going like, you know what? I'm not going to sin so that I don't get hit with the huge stick. That's the kind of idea that's here. And we've looked at the Ten Commandments, so we, we fail at them. So there's certain doom, this certain falseness in my relationship with God because I think it's based on performance. If I'm really doing the algebra equation and what I'm thinking about is my performance, God's a constant. He's always there. It'll be whether I sin or not. Then I really do. Honestly, you may not act like you do, but there is a big distance between you and God. There is. Because we hide it works with me. You can think I'm doing okay. I don't see your heart. God does. So there's distance. That, that's a distance thing. That's one part of distance. There's another part. In fact, <laughs> I naturally think sin keeps me from God. Why do I think that? The Old Testament. I'm just presenting it to you right now. Here it is. God says sin is really bad. Don't do it. And he's sitting there saying that as a scary God. And, and then he's going to go through and he's going to say how important it is not to sin. And the reality is though I've sinned and so I put separation and I see other places like in Isaiah that says your sin has separated you from God. And, and this is a big deal. Don't sin. But there's already distance. So what, what about this? Because the chapter's not quite over. There's worship. The distance of impurity. It's not just about sin, it's about more. The Lord said to Moses, look. Thus you shall say to the people of Israel, you have seen for yourselves that I, I have talked with you from heaven. Isn't that, that, there's another strong statement, right? I have been talking to you from heaven. What has he been doing? Thundering and lightning in the voice of trumpets. And so they've been doing like, whoa, don't let up. I'm going to run away. And so he says to them, I've been speaking to you from heaven. Yes, you have. And you are scary. <laughs> Obey this God, this blast of sound that rang my world. You shall not make gods of silver to be with me, nor shall you make for yourselves gods of gold. Well, no, duh. Like that's even in the Ten Commandments, right? Don't make idols. Don't make precious idols. Don't make, just don't make any. Yes, yes, God, yes. We will not. We will keep the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to worship anybody else. Then he says this. An altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice it on it, your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. If, if you're gonna worship, worship only him. Got it, got it, got it. We're gonna do that. We're gonna do that. So put yourself in their spot. See, this is what we're gonna do. And when, when you worship, you're gonna make an altar of earth. 
right? If you're going to fellowship with God, this is what it looks like. Worship and fellowship bound together here because the burnt offering and the peace offering were the ways that you communicated to God that things were right between you and him. It's not a sin offering. Now we're not talking about getting rid of your sin because that's most people think sacrifice is about that. It's talking about, I actually want to say to this distant God who's out there somewhere and all around and he's my God, but he's scary. And I want to say all is right between you and me, God. So I'm going to go to an altar and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, sacrifice an animal with a burnt offering or a peace offering with, with grain or whatever that might be. It says you're going to do that. It looks like an altar made of earth and you do that. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, it is right with us. Well, okay. Again, I'm a modern Christian. I don't do these things. What is he after? What is he saying? Well, he's saying this. If you make me an altar of stone, stone is a kind of earth, not contradictory. You shall not build it of hewn stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you will profane it. Well, wait a minute. An altar of stone, stone or rocks, based on earth stuff, not wood. So, okay, but don't cut it with your tool or it's profaned. What's, what's that? It's, what is profaned? It's impure. It's not holy. You're going to take your animal, you're going to go say it's okay with God, and you're going to take it to an altar that you have cut, that you have made, and I'm telling you, I don't want it. What? Okay, Dax, weird Old Testament passage. Let's, let's go. Can we go to the New Testament, please? <laughs> no, 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 don't miss this. It's really interesting. This is the Ten Commandments. We were talking about the same chapter as the Ten Commandments. It's right there. It's right next to you. And he's saying this. First he says, first he says, hey, so important that you don't sin or there'll be distance. And next he says, don't you dare make something with you and think that I like it. But... What? Yeah, if you craft this, what, what am I going to do? Why, why would I cut stones? To make it beautiful. I would craft it. I would make the stair. I, I would make it, and I would, I, I would get the best artisans around, and we would make beauty, and we would make this altar that would just, it's commemorating the beauty, and, and it's, 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 it's me making something for God. It's me actually doing something that God would find beautiful. It's me actually working, and what am I going to present then to God? You and I together, what will we present? We will present my sinlessness, my obedience to him, and my good works for him. And he just took your good works and he says, hey, Abel. That's what he's doing, right? He's rejecting, saying it's impure, it's common, unholy. If you shape the rocks, if you make it pretty, if you make it like touch it up to work for God, then, then, then it's, it's off. He says, but I want to work for God. I, I, I want to make a, a cool altar. No, what you touch is what? Profane. What I do, says God, is holy. I'm the scary holy God. Your work is blech. Take that in for a minute, will you? What you do is profane. 
well, well, we'll at least build it up. You know, we can at least, I know what we can do. We can take rocks that are already made. Have you ever seen these? It's really the face. I really like it. Instead of cutting them into like real stones, we'll just find natural rocks because that's what God wants. And we'll build it up. You know, we'll build our way to heaven. We'll, we'll, we'll build a little altar. So when we go up, we'll go up to God and then we'll do it up there. You know, and almost all altars, in fact, they're even called high places, right? Because we build at the high place because God's up there and we'll build up to him a little and we'll do it. And you shall not go up by steps to my altar. Whoa. That your nakedness not be exposed on it. Okay, he is not talking about as you walk up the altar that your ankles are seen or that someone's going to look up your robe. That's not the deal. He's talking about your nakedness, your powerlessness, your inability to be exposed. Why? Because you think you can build a tower to God? The whole idea is God has come to where? To them. On his mountain. And he's, he's come down to them. And then they want to make an image like, that's great, God. Now we'll build up to you. We'll cut the stones. We'll build the stairs. We'll make, I know there's this place called Babel. We can build a tower. No. No, no, no. Right? So he says right here at the end of the Ten Commandments, the same chapter, he's going after the very things I think that I'm going to take for God is my sinlessness and my good works, and we're going to go up and meet God and offer him up. No. Wrong way. You just worship a scary God. If you add anything in, it's impure, profane, unholy, and wrong. And you know what this leads to if you try. I'm doing all these things to get close to God, and he's telling me that it's worthless. But it's my sacrifice. And instead, we're to worship God, but only in this like way that emphasizes our inability. And it costs me greatly. I'm not saying that. I mean, your sheep or your ox or your pigeon or whatever you're doing burned in this crummy little mound of dirt. And, and that's what God is saying. My part is it's the crummy little mound of dirt. Not doing anything great for him, just seeing that anything I do is impure. You don't climb up to a holy God, and that's the picture. So, so, so here's the Israelite left here. After these statements, what are they thinking? And this is what we know for sure. This is what we know for sure. They are scared out of their mind. Keep the scary God far from me. And it reinforces that God is other and different and particular and bound to reject your efforts to coming near because he is scary. Just do the right thing, will you? If you do, he'll be near, but not too near because we're going to keep Moses in between him and me. That's their whole thing, right? And, and that's because what did they focus on? His otherness and, and our, if we're going to be honest, imperfections because they're real. And so I kind of see where we get these ideas about God even today. Don't you? I mean, we get it from thinking we're like them. The church has kind of drugged itself into this, I, I feel like, thinking that proper human behavior is the key to one's relationship with God. Maybe you think that. The church does often. Most sermons, lots of books, God loves clean, competent people. Like, like, like you're acceptable, God. Why? Because I've shaved. That's a metaphor. I've cleaned myself up. 
I've, 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 I've put my sin away into the closet. And, and so this whole idea becomes it's religion, right? Not about God, it's about me, my discipline, my obedience, my improvement, my commitment. It, it's, it's bad for you. One pastor said it really, what it breeds is narcissism and we got a real bad case of it. That, that, that's it. It's going to be God will bless me if my obedience measures up. And, and, and if I um, think, oh, yeah, I, I hear and understand even what we've been talking through in the Ten Commandments that we do so poorly at it. And we're, we're just, oh, we're terrible. But, but then I find another way to count obedience. I want to measure my faith. I want to measure something else so that I can have assurance that God is for me this far God. It all leads you further away. Why do I say that? It leads you further away because you stink. I do too. I'm really bad at this. I am. I'm really bad at this. I, I, I think that's the, you know, 50 years of being a Christian, and I say, what I really am is really bad at this. If I spent 50 solid years working diligently at my craft, I would be good at it. And you've spent most of your life, if you're an adult in this room as a Christian, and you're terrible at obeying the law. Is that okay for me to tell you? Why do I say that? It's not because I think so. It's because the Bible says so. The Bible says everybody's turned away. There's no one righteous. No, not one. There's nobody who's done what's right. There's nobody who understands. There's nobody. And nobody includes everybody in this room. <laughs> if that's the thing, then we're so far away. And, and so and we're trying to say, no, 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 uh, not me. I've done enough. All I can do, all I can do is compare myself to you. You know, I do lots of that. Let's find somebody who doesn't do it as well as me, and I'll compare. Not, well, at least I'm doing better than Johnny over there. Sorry, Johnny, if you're in the room. That, that's the only hope I have, but the reality is, in my heart, I know. In your heart, you know. You are not the person that God says you must be. You haven't done enough for God. There's no hope that direction. There's just distance. Don't look too close, God. It's, it's, it's like these flowers look okay until you come about a foot away. You can come after service if you'd like. They're starting to go. They look great from the sound booth. So I want God to stay at the sound booth because then the little flower who's me over there will look okay. But if you come up close and look closely and you see that it's failing, I do not want to look at your face under a magnifying glass. It will be pitted and ugly, no matter how beautiful you are. That's the deal, right? And so I think oh, I'm going to keep God away. I'm going to kind of keep him out there because I'm fixated on me. It's, it's a little bit like that. And, and don't think, it's not good news. We talked about this many times, but like the Israelites, right? They wanted a king. And so they got this amazing king, and he's huge and big, and he's Saul. I'm, and then he, was, he was terrible, right? So then God goes and he chooses the smallest son and the smallest kid. I think he's probably only 12 or 13 out in the bushes keeping the sheep and he picks him. And, 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 and says, who's that? He doesn't look like anything. But oh, the prophet says, God doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the heart. And I go, that's so cool. Ah, God looks at the heart. 
wait a minute. Wait a one minute. God looks at your heart. He looks at the way that you actually think inside. That is such bad news for you. That is so bad. It is not meant to be reassuring. Oh, God looks at my well-intentioned heart. No, God sees that your heart is sinful beyond repair. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can fix it? What? Yeah, that's bad, right? And so that's the thing. It's like I start going, well, I don't really want him to look in my heart. I'd rather he just look at the picture I'm painting for you that looks like I'm okay, but I'm not okay. And so there's distance, there's distance, there's distance. In every direction, there's distance. This is diagnostically depressing. Unless there's some other story, we need something outside of us to do and give to us what we can't do for ourselves. And that's what the Old Testament's about. Right there at the end of the Ten Commandments, it's like, you know what? You really need not to sin, but I've already given you commandments. You're breaking this moment. And, and, and then don't think that anything you do for me is impressive. What's left? What's left is the amazing wonder of why we sing these songs and why we're going to sing a couple more. It's the wonder of hope and nearness. It's the gospel. The word who is Jesus has a word for your heart this morning, and it's in your relationship that's changed to this God who is rightly distant and other. Right? Radically different. So, so first see, you don't have obedience in your, in your smallest part of your pinky. So why am I here singing songs to God? Well, that's the Bible, right? Check this out. We read it. This is our reading this morning from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, rightly so, have been brought near. By what? By the blood of Christ. His blood brought you near. It means it's not what you've done. It means it's not about your sin or your sinlessness. It's about what? The blood of Christ. Full stop. For he himself is our peace, who has, who has broken down and made us both one, broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. This is Paul writing. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. And he says, you know that that law was against you because it condemned you. Why? Because the scary God says, what are you doing? Don't you dare sin. And then you went out and sinned. And here's Jesus outside of us. Dude, this is the message. This is the main stuff. This is, this is the core. This is it. It's like he did it. He broke down this dividing wall of hostility between you and me as we judge each other about whether or not you've done these things between us and God, which is the huge, massive wall of, of I'm pretending like I'm really okay when I'm not okay. And he just continues on. I'll read the rest. He might create in himself one new man in place of the two. A new man, something totally different, thus making peace and might reconcile us both to God in his body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near because the reality is closest to God. It involves peace. It is good with God and me. Why? Because of Jesus. Well, if only I obey. No, that's not in the way you're thinking. The goal of Christianity is not to make you sinless. This is so huge. It's not to make you sin-free. That's not the goal. It's, it, it got, the goal of Christianity is to give you Christ. 
That's it. To deliver free of charge his love and forgiveness and righteousness for you. To freely give everything that Jesus has done for you. We are sinners undeserving of this cloak of righteousness, the straight jacket of forgiveness, his goodness, and you are holy. Why are you holy? Because he is holy. Sinning less doesn't solve your problem. Being good doesn't solve your problem. We're all imperfect, and you know what? God, I mean, this is not swearing. This is a truth. God damns imperfection. God doesn't demand that you try hard, that you're generally good. He demands sinlessness, not sinning less. So religion can't help me. All I can do with religion is compare the distances that we are from God. We're good comparers. That's David Zoll, by the way. He said that. He said, God's, um, we all agree we fall short of God's glory, but that doesn't prevent us from comparing distances. What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus says, you want to know? Trust me. <laughs> There's hope there because he brings us near. So here's what you're to see today as we go through the Old Testament in Exodus. And we, we're very familiar with the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments lay out for us the word of God by which society will function, but more importantly, by which he will be near them. And then he scares them to say sinning is bad. And he pushes them to see it's not about what you're going to do. Don't you think your artistry, your work, your building is going to do? It's about me. And so we see that the two ways in which we think we're going to get to God are, are dead ends for us. And we're left with this, this question that is hanging in our text, but we have in the New Testament seen it, that, that my amazing Savior has come, and he's come for you. And, and perfect love casts out fear. That's the Bible, right? That's the New Testament. Perfect love casts out fear because Christ's love is perfect for us. That instead of that distance, that right distance between a scary God and me, that Jesus Christ has come. I don't build to God. He comes to me and he saves me. And, and he says, instead of me, instead of me, me, Dax, there is him, Christ. The righteousness, the holiness, all the big words that I think I need. I'll tell you what, they're found in Christ. And his promise to you today is that he's got you. And you, therefore, are not distant, no matter what your eyes tell you or your heart is leaning towards or your frustration with what you don't have, the word of the cross is that you are near and that he's got you forever. That's what we're singing about. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the wonder of your word and what you've done. Lord, forgive me. Forgive us that we continue to gauge and measure our perceive sinlessness or work for you and instead lord help us to have our eyes open to the work done for us to lean to rest to lay down our heavy burdens at your feet we thank you for the cross and what you've done for us we thank you for the over and over word that you give us that you love us and that you have us all the way through help us as a people to trust you in jesus name amen